How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today, we're going to continue on our study, continue looking into our study of the Book of Romans, of the Letter of Paul to the Church in Rome. Now, as we've been going along here, there's so much information. We're kind of just ripping through um i know there are others who can do much deeper study but here here what we're doing we're just kind of doing an overview taking a look at what it's saying the narrative of of the text backing up go again slowly through it taking a look at how it's being said specifically the, the words and the pictures images and uh take a look at some applications here uh, uh pairing scripture scripture rightly dividing the word of truth to help to get a i a better understanding of the grasp of the of the overall message here that's being being uh, given and then we see how okay, can how can we apply it to ourselves for our own learning so please go grab your bibles notepads and pens and turn with me to romans chapter 3 verse 1 and again we're going to be uh, taking a look at uh, what's saying here and if you have any comments questions issues insights regarding the study at hand then please by all means feel free to go ahead ask away be glad to hear from you if it's not related to the topic at hand if you just please hold that to the end of the study all right so today's uh, study in romans 3 is going to be a bit of a uh, a deeper one possibly we're going to be taking a look at the law as paul is uh, kind of presenting it here Okay, what is the law according to the word of God in relation to salvation, in relation to born-again Christianity? Um, uh, are we under the law? Does the law apply to us? Uh, how, how do we use the law? What's the law for? Um, does the law justify? So we're going to be taking a look at a bunch of these questions, seeing what Paul has to say about this. I'm going to go just kind of slowly here, just verse by verse, just try to get a bit of an understanding because there's so much confusion um, regarding the law uh, among so many Christians, so many professed Christians, and there are tons of different sects and denominations and religions out there that completely pervert the understanding of the meaning of the law, and they don't see what the Bible's actually saying on this. That, so... I hope that uh, you enjoy this study. So if you don't, well, too bad. All right, so please go grab your tea, grab your coffee, and take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 3. And, yep, yeah, of course, as you know it, we're going to be setting theological fires today for sure, as there's a ton of people out there who think that... Uh, we have to follow law keeping that we are bound to keep law and all this stuff but we're going to see what what's the argument paul's presenting a lot of those uh uh, uh works based law keeping professed christians they need to go and read the book of galatians all right okay so in studying the word of god there is an important three-point study three-point uh a way to approach the Word of God when you're studying it, when you're reading it. We call it the Berean Method. Now, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, we've done studies on it, videos on it. We've made bookmarks regarding the three-point uh, Bible study uh, method. 
Three Points Bible Study, Interpretation, Application, Demonstration. Now, interpretation. What is interpretation? That's the what. The what of the narrative. What is it saying? That the, the literal, the face value of what you're reading, what is going on? Now, what's the full context of the passage? Now, this is also helping you to understand how not to cherry pick. Now, back up and get the full overview of the narrative of the text. Not just one verse at, 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 that you're looking at, but what's the context of that verse in the full, fullness of the passage? So the what, the what of the narrative, what is going on, what is being said. And then application. Now, application is the how. How is it being said? The specific words and pictures and images. Um, now, how can I pair what I'm reading to other aspects of the Word of God? Learning to pair Scripture with Scripture, rightly dividing the Word of Truth, line upon line, precept upon precept. The how. Now, this is also what we talked about before, in the meanings of the words, like the Greek and the Hebrew as well. Look, take a look in there. Okay, what, what are the meanings of the words? How exactly is the passage being presented? You look at who's talking, what they're saying. Now, now, how are they going about it? You want to you want to place yourself in the scriptures, and then demonstration. Uh, after the study, now, okay, what's the personal application? How can I go live it, speak it, think it, do it? Why is it important to study it this way? Why is it important to apply it to yourself? Now, the what. And when we take a look at these things, the what of the of the narrative, the interpretation, understanding there is only one interpretation of the word of God. What it says is what it means. It's not open to personal interpretation. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter what I say, what you say, or anyone else. It matters what the Bible flat out says. What does it say when you do the study? So you take a look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the scriptures came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they're moved by the Holy Ghost. And then you take a look at 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 as well. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be may perfectly furnished unto all good works. So... All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's not open to personal interpretation. What it says is what it means. The what is only one interpretation of the word of God. There are multiple applications, that is, they can be applied mentally, physically, spiritually, circumstantially, but again, what it says, what it means, we see in Acts 17, 11, the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. So uh, a daily personal searching, studying, applying of scripture to themselves. And we also see in Ephesians 6 as well as applying it to yourself, uh, the armor of God, resisting the devil. And there's so many other passages that go into this of a personal application, a proper biblical study. Uh, so I hope that uh, this is a help to you, an encouragement to you. Okay, so enough delaying. Let's get going. Now, when I was looking over this in Romans 3, it's quite a heavy argument on usage of the law, the point of the law. But firstly, when you come to these kinds of passages, when you're going to be talking about the law of God, we need to actually understand what it is. What is the law first? Now, 
to get a good grasp of this, I want to go over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 9 and 10. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Now this is quite uh, insightful. 1 Timothy 1, verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. And all the law keepers start shrieking. The law was not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslaves, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Okay, so the law's not made for the righteous, but for the unrighteous, you could say. Okay, so hold your finger there in 1 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. Put a bookmark there. Let's go back to Galatians just for a moment. Hoping I can find the passage I'm looking for. Now in Galatians, and we want... There we are. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Okay. If there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. And you read the rest of Galatians, see that the law is a curse. Uh, the law is a curse unto death. That the, that the law is the revealer of sin. The law exposes sin. Now in verse 24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now because the law reveals sin. Okay? So the other thing we need to establish first as well is an understanding of the difference between the two sets of law that there's the righteous laws of god and the cultural laws they're different the cultural laws uh, that which uh, defines the the judaistic culture and behavior the diet and the clothing and the manners and all this other stuff of the cultural the cultural laws were done away we read acts chapter 15 and the apostolic council where they're referring to this it seemed good to us and to the holy ghost set no no greater burden than these necessary things and they actually did away by the new dispensation as we see as the cultural laws are done away that the why should we put a yoke of burden upon their shoulders and neither we nor our forefathers could bear now there's a difference between this and the righteous laws now the righteous laws uh, as they're titled would be like for example the ten commandments that which in and of itself helps understand and denote into that which is sin. So you understand what is sin? All unrighteousness is sin. Well, how can I understand what is sin? Well, what does the righteous laws of God, the standard of, of the law, laws that God places down that exposes? We see 1 Corinthians 6. 
We see, uh, we see Galatians as well, Galatians 5. We see Revelation 21, 22, the lists of all the sins, all these things, those that do these things should not inherit the kingdom of God. We see the Ten Commandments in Exodus uh, chapter 20. So the righteous laws of God helps us to understand what is sin. The cultural laws are not applicable here. This is not referring to the cultural laws. Like you can't eat shellfish or pork or let's get that that's no longer applicable you can go eat shellfish and have some barbecue pork chops if you want uh as it's fully allowed that we are not under the cultural laws now okay now as christians as born again christians are we under the righteous laws in what standard in what context how does it apply? How does this work? Well, this is what Paul is going to get to now to help us to understand what the law of God in referring to the righteous laws of God, not the cultural laws that were given to the Jews. That's done and gone. Referring to the righteous laws. Okay, so because there's a bit of a misunderstanding. Uh, uh, Some think that there's a difference between the Jew and the Greek, meaning the Gentile. The Jews and Gentiles. So what does the Bible say about this? Are, are there two different applications of law? Are there two different ways of salvation? Uh, there's, a, there's a path that's given to the Jews and a path that's given to the Gentiles. Well, Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female for ye are all one in Jesus Christ. All one in Christ Jesus. There aren't multiple ways. There isn't a way for the Jews and a way for the Gentiles that's separate. No, it's the same Lord, same Christ, same cross, same path, same way, uh, truth, and life. There's only one. So some people try to try to make you think that there's a separate path for Jews, separate path for Gentiles. No, absolutely not. Uh, uh, many try to bring this in through the argument of James, uh, as James 2, as James is written to the Jews, but it's also applicable to the Gentiles. So we see that James is not talking about a way of salvation for Jews. It's not a salvationary passage. As James is written to Christians who are already saved, and he's talking about charity and Christian behavior for the purpose of promotion of the faith, not maintenance of salvation. All right. <clears throat> so when you want to do a study on the law, it is absolutely important that you do a slow read through Galatians first. So if you ever want to do a study on the law, do a slow read study through the book of Galatians. And if you're interested in that, please check out our playlist as we've done a whole walk through the book of Galatians. Make sure you watch that and get your notebook because there's a ton of information there. And uh, and be ready to be surprised if you think that uh, we must be law keepers of some kind. Okay, so as we're going through Romans here, we finished up Romans chapter 2. And if we back up a little bit, at the end here, we see that Paul is bringing in an argument about the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, he refers to them as the circumcision versus the uncircumcision. Uh, circumcision is uh, kind of like a code title, whatever, for the Jews. Uncircumcision is for the Gentiles. The uncircumcised, those who are, who, those who are not the followers of, of the Judaistic law kind of thing. Okay, so what advantage is there between the two? Is there a difference between the two? How does this apply? How does this work? And we see that it's not about 
being a Jew or becoming a Jew or following the Jewish customs, as we see, as he says in verse 28 of chapter 2. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. See, it's not about works and deeds and law-keeping and holding to uh, the mandates of law, but rather, as he says, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. See, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what you're believing. It's the belief of faith, not the maintenance of works or the keeping of law. This is very important. Very important. So please keep this in mind as we go along here. So it's all about of faith. It's of belief. It's of Christ. It, it's of salvation of, uh, of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I see Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 being redeemed by the riches of his grace. Okay. So we've established that. All right. Now, Space says, finally, I catch you live and work, working, having to catch re reruns, miss the lives. Hey, no worries. Glad you're in. Awesome. Okay. So grab your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 3, verse 1. And uh, we're going to be going very slowly through here. And again, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead and ask away. If it's not related to the topic at hand, please hold that to the end of the study or to the next broadcast. Okay, let's go on. Now, we see the, the law by, by Galatians, by the book of Galatians. We take a look at it. It's that Galatians is the, the clearest overview. That if you want a somewhat succinct, easy way to understand the law, read Galatians. It explains it clearly, exactly what it's all about. Now, as um, this verse here, I gotta magnify this. I forgot the reference. Psalm nineteen seven: The law of the Lord is perfect. What? What does it say? What does it say? What's it say there? The law, law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? Converting the soul. Okay, so how does the law convert the soul? Let's look at this. Do, okay, so does keeping of law, does following the law, as I see what the law says. Now, just don't break the law. Just, just follow along and don't lie, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet honor your father and mother, have no other gods. It just, just, just do what it says and you'll be converted. It is that how it works. Well, let's look at Galatians chapter two, verse 16. Galatians two sixteen. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Not justified by the works of the law but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Okay, so you see the words there. Not justified. Now justified, you could say very, very simply, justified meaning just as if you've never sinned. Just as if you've never sinned. So we're justified by the faith of Christ. Let's see 1 John 5, 13. 
that you know you have eternal life because you have believed. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So the law doesn't justify. The law doesn't justify. And as you see by Titus 3, 5 as well, not by works of righteousness, religiosity, uh, uh, keeping the law. Uh, keeping the Ten Commandments, doing good things in the charity, going to church, reading your Bible, praying, and doing all the all the things. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. That's his grace, by faith. By the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's a work of the Spirit of God, not a work of our own. That the Spirit of God comes upon us, washes us clean, purges us clean, seals us. By his mercy, not by law-keeping. And also we see in, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Okay. So when we understand as the word of God talks about the law and the application of the law, that the law doesn't save you, the law doesn't justify you. But how does the law then convert you? As we, as we see in, in Psalms, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Now, God cannot lie. God cannot lie. So there must be something that we're just not seeing, not understanding then. So many people think that law-keeping and, and doing good works and, relig and religiosities and keeping the traditions and the sacraments and doing all the stuff, that, that this will earn favor with God. I earn my salvation. That salvation is by works, when the Bible says it's not. Okay, well then, how does the law convert? How does the law convert? Now, as we see also in the Bible that the law was given to the Jews, the law was not given to the Gentiles. All right, but we see the entire city of Nineveh got saved by the preaching of Jonah. Over 120,000 Gentile Ninevites got saved by the preaching of Jonah. We see the Gentile pagan emperor of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, got saved. And he wrote Daniel chapter 4. We see many others in the, in the Bible, all throughout the scriptures, of Gentiles and, and uh, non-Jews getting saved. How does that work? When the law was given to the Jews, not the Gentiles. Okay, so what advantage hath the Jew then? Now we see here in the first verse, Romans 3, 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Of, of, of uh, listening to the law, keeping to the law, following the law, heeding the law. What profit is there of circumcision? Well, we see in Romans six fourteen, for we are no longer under the law, but under grace. 1 Timothy 1.8. Let's look at 1 Timothy 1.8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Okay, so there's a proper application of the law. There's a proper application. There's a proper understanding of how it applies, how it works. Okay? So 
the law was given to the Jews. Now, as we see when we do a deeper study in the word of God, as the, the Levites of Israel, the priests of, the, of Israel, the Levites, they, they worked in the, the tabernacle and the temple. As the Levites are to Israel, Israel is to the world. All right, so you could say Israel is the Levites of the world. As you, you, could, you could say, as the Levites were the examples of obedience and following the Lord in all things, as they were to the Jews, to all the Jews, Israel is to the world. A flow down picture. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? What point is there to the law? What point is there to the law? Much every way. Verse 2. Much every way. In every way that there is there is a great importance to the law so there are some people who say well well we are no longer to the law and the law doesn't apply to us we don't need to listen to the law the law is no longer applicable i don't need to follow the ten commandments just follow jesus um okay you obviously don't understand the law okay so verse two much every way in every way there's great importance to the law in everything. Chiefly, because that unto them, the Jews were committed the oracles of God. Firstly, understanding that the law is the direct oracles of God and is given to everyone. No one is excluded. As we will see, then we keep reading. No one is excluded. Yes, it was given to the Jews, but that doesn't mean it's not applicable to the Gentiles. In every way, chiefly because that unto them the Jews were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Like, for example, we see the Gentiles uh, are even in Israel, certain Jews. Well, what if they didn't believe in the law? What if they just disregarded it? Oh, yeah, it, I don't care about that. It doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything. I don't believe it. I don't need it. It wasn't. I'm a Gentile anyways, and it wasn't even given to me. Okay, for what, for what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Does that mean that the law then is no longer applicable to them because they don't, they don't view it, they don't see it, they don't accept it? Or they're a Gentile and it wasn't technically given to them? Does that mean it's not applicable, it's not important? It's interesting because that's because verse 3 here is literally like, like an atheist argument. that Well, I don't believe in God, so therefore God doesn't exist. <laughs> Okay, um, you're, going, you're in for a big surprise. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? And we see that is directly applicable to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. The, they, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and they profess themselves to be wise and become fools, and they, they change God into their own imagination, and God hands them over to their sin. All right, so... So does so is the law then is the application of the law does the application of the law cease to exist all because well I don't believe that it's important no that's a stupid argument and as he says verse four God forbid as if that's a real thing yea let God be true and every man a liar as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So to be justified in what God has said, what it says, what it means justifies us. The word of God justifies it when we stick to the word of God, not my opinions. 
Not what I think, what I feel, what I believe. All because, yes, we're no longer under the condemnation of the law doesn't mean that the law is not important. As many think that the law is not important because they're no longer under the, under the condemnation of the law. They just go do, have, be, whatever they want. Um, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Let God be true and every man a liar. What scripture says. That lying is still lying and is sin. That we should abstain from sin. We should fight sin. We should resist the devil in all things. All because we are under, under the grace of Christ. And we have liberty in Christ. Liberty in Christ is not liberty to sin. Yes, I know, I understand how we cannot lose our salvation, but all because you can't lose your salvation doesn't give you a free license to go and do, have, be, whatever you want. Because here's a question, why would you want to? Why would you want to? If you have no conviction of sin, well, that might reveal a deeper issue in your heart. Let God be true to every man a liar. As it is written. As it is written. For it is written. That thou mightest be justified in thy sayings. That when you preach and teach and expound the scriptures and you study the word of God. What is written? This is what it is. Not how you feel. Not what you think. To be justified by the sayings. Justified by the word of God. What does it say? What the scriptures say justifies us. Justifies us. And mightest overcome when thou art judged. Verse 5. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Now, what does that mean? Romans 5.20. Romans 5.20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Grace did much more abound. All right. Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. So does that mean we can just go and commit greater sin because that means there'll be more grace? You see what it's saying here, but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God. So what to commend. Unrighteousness, unrighteousness commends the righteousness of God. That there, that there is a, a praise here. That, that there is a beauty here. There's a glory here. There's something mighty here that, that is hard for us to wrap our minds around. It's the infinite grace of God. That sin cannot outdo the grace of God. And that the greater the sin, the greater the beauty of God. The greater the mercy and the grace of God. Like, for example, we see Saul of Tarsus. Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, blaspheming Jesus Christ, destroying the church, torturing Christians, killing Christians. Commended the grace of God, the righteousness of God. Praise that the, there's a great praise. There was a great praise of the grace of God, of the righteousness of God upon this. See what I mean? For uh, It's the testimony of the saints. The testimony of the saints. Our unrighteousness commends the righteousness of God. There's a great picture here. That it's not by law, it's by grace. You see, unrighteousness brings in a damnation, a curse of the law. The law is a curse unto death. It's a curse unto sin. 
If we were under law, then following of law directly, there is no uh, commendation of the righteousness of God, a, a great praise of the grace of God. There is no grace. But as you see that there is grace, so therefore we see a different approach. That as, uh, as there is unrighteousness, there's great sin, there's greater grace. That's what this means. If our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Now, because there is great grace when there is great sin, and that the Lord is merciful and will forgive and save and wash away and change, and they see great pictures of the beauty of the glory of the mercy and grace of God by believing faith, simple believing faith, is God unrighteous then? Is God unrighteous when he takes vengeance? See verse 5. Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance then? Is God then evil, wicked, or a liar or, or contradicting his word when he takes vengeance then and doesn't show grace? See, what Paul's getting to, that, there's, that there is a balance here. Yes, there's grace, but there's also the judgment of law. There is grace, but there's also judgment of law. Because he does show great grace to great sin, and that there's great mercy, and that you can't outdo the grace of God, well then, what's with the vengeance and judgment and damnation by the hand of God then? What is this about? How does the law work? How does the law work? To who, to what, by what does the law apply then? How does the law apply? Where is the application of law? To who would the law be applied to? Well, when we back up and we see the whole picture of salvation. The whole picture of salvation. Now, how do I know that I need a Savior? What gives me the understanding that I need a Savior? Sa savior from what? Saved from what? Salvation from what? Sin. What reveals sin? The law. The law reveals sin. Now, as we read... As we read, the law was not made for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. But for the unrighteous. And in Galatians, you see, the law is a schoolmaster to sin. So, to the sinner, to the unsaved person, they see the law of God, and they see how they've lied, they've stolen, they've blasphemed, that they committed idolatry, adultery, all, all of the things. They see how they've broken the law. They see how their sin has separated them from God. They see their unrighteousness. Law reveals unrighteousness. Grace reveals righteousness. So the law reveals unrighteousness. And they see their unrighteous state. As the law is not made for the righteous, but for the unrighteous, for the unholy and the profane. If they reject the gift that God has given them by Jesus Christ, the law damns them. The law is a curse to them. The law takes vengeance upon them because the law demands that there's death and shedding of blood. There must be a sacrifice. There must be a, a penalty for the breaking of the law. And if they haven't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as their substitutionary atonement, then they must pay the price. The law takes vengeance. But if they heed to and they listen to the judgment of the law, the law then points them to the altar of sacrifice and they see Jesus. The law points you at Jesus. 
that points you to Jesus and that you see how he gave himself for you in your place for your sins so that you might be saved by grace. The law brings you right up to the cross, puts you in front of Jesus and you see Jesus and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are no longer under the condemnation of the law. The vengeance of God is upon unatoned for sin. The vengeance of God is upon unatoned for sin. Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? Why is he judging the world? What is he judging the world for? Sin. He judges sin. God will judge all sin. For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? So the law proves righteousness and it proves sin. The law proves these things. It justifies these things in, in the value of it. So you take a look at the law. We see by God's standard of law, not our standard. So when we look at it through our eyes, we'll be biased. And we'll be interpreting it by our own personal thoughts and feelings. But we see the word of God clearly what it says. And we, we see the law by God's eyes. The law shows and reveals this is what righteousness is. This is what unrighteousness is. What the law of God says. The absolute law of God. What it says. The law says this is what righteousness is. This is what unrighteousness is. And there is none righteous. There's only one that is God. There's only one that is God. Now, as we were talking about how where there's great sin, there's great grace. For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? If, if great sin brings great grace, then how, how come I, I can't just go do whatever I want? And not rather, as we slanderously report, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come. You hear some people say, that who deny the once saved, always saved. These individuals who believe that you must keep the law, and you have to do good works, because, and they say to us who believe in once saved, always saved, well, you just say, you just believe in Jesus and go do whatever you want. And, and others who slanderously report and affirm saying, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. Those individuals are damned and still in their sin. So you see here what Paul is talking about. So just go do whatever you want that grace may abound. For where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. So all because we're under Christ, you just go do whatever you want. The law does not apply. The law does not, law does not apply to us then. It only applies to the unsaved. It doesn't apply to us the saved. So that means I just go do whatever I want because grace abounds. I just go lie and, and steal and get drunk and go do whatever I want. Let us, let us do evil that good may come. Well, those who say that, those who think that, those who believe that, what, is, what does Paul say? Their damnation is just. Justified. Their damnation is justified because they don't understand what they're doing. Romans 6 1 what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound because we're under grace not law that doesn't mean you can go do be have whatever you want 
So is there an application then for the law to the saved? The law then to the unsaved is a curse. It is the damnation. It is the judgment and the vengeance of the wrath of God upon them. They are under the wrath of God. The law of God damns them. But we're saved. And we're saved by grace, not by law keeping. And we're no longer under the law, we're under grace. So does the law apply to the saved? Does the law apply to the saved? Let's continue. So Romans 3 verse 8. Let us do evil that good may come. Verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Are we better than the unsaved? Are, are, are we excluded from the law in every way? Are we better than others? No. In no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. We are all under sin. And this is where we see as well in, in 1 John, 1 John 1, 9, 1 John 2, 1, uh, where passages that are written to Christians, written to the saved, about uh, how if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John 1, 9, if, if, if we confess our sins, we, the saved, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, now. The sin that we are confessing in 1 John 1, 9. Does this affect our salvation? No. No, our salvation is not at risk. You cannot lose your salvation. Now, you can lose the blessing of God, the protection of God, as we see there is discipline, chastisement upon the, upon the saints. We see in severe, severe cases like Ananias and Sapphira or the judgment in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 upon the, the, these brethren of the church of Corinth who were uh, uh, caught in immorality. If they, were not, if they did not repent, they'd be handed over the, to the devil for the destruction of the flesh, lose their life. But their spirit is still saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So you see, eternal security is absolutely assured. Once saved, always saved. But there is... There is a judgment, not, I don't want to say judgment, I say discipline. There's a chastisement, a discipline by the hand of God. Now, the law, how it applies to the saints, it helps critique. It helps our understanding on some, some things where, where if we have trouble understanding, okay, like for example, let's say as a Christian, okay, I understand the Bible says thou shalt not lie, but what about white lies? What about white lies? What does the law of God say about lies in general? Thou shalt not lie. You see, the law is not a, a condemnation to us, the saved. It is more of a help. It's like a flashlight in a dark room. It helps us to understand that, yes, we have, we're, we're in grace, under grace, held by grace, kept by grace. You can't lose your salvation. That doesn't mean you can, you can go and lie. Why would you want to? Why would you want to? It doesn't mean you can go and get drunk and fornicate around and steal stuff. Why would you want to? 
but rather we see that by the law of God, it helps us to critique and, and see what the righteousness of God is, and we want to cling to the righteousness of God more because we love him. You see, you see Jesus, who is ever before you. You see Christ before you, and you love Jesus Christ. If you love me, keep my commandments. What's the commandments of God? What's the law of God? The whole word of God. The whole word of God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, I yes, Lord Jesus, I love you. How can I, how can I walk closer to you? What does my word say? What, what do my commandments say? What does my law say? What does my word say? It is written. What does it say? Don't go by, well, I think, I feel, my interpretation. No, 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 no. What does it say? What does it say? For there are none that are excused from this. doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter. If you believe in the Lord God, Jesus Christ, it's the same way, same truth, same life unto all. What then? Are we better than they? Are we better than are we better than the unsaved? Are we better than others? No, in no wise. For all are under sin. Isaiah sixty four six. All of our un, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. If you were given a billion trillion years, you could not keep the law. You couldn't earn one micron of favor from God. You cannot keep the law because of your sin, which is in you. And we see in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. And we take a look at verse 14. Uh, Paul says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. In our flesh dwelleth no good thing. Our flesh wars against our spirit. And you cannot do the things that you would. For all are under sin. And we see the famous passage of Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. Who's the they? Everybody of earth. They are all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. No, not one. All have fallen away. All have become corrupt. There's none that doeth good. So the law helps us to see our own state. The state of our own personal sin. That if we are given to our own volition, we, we would damn ourselves to hell in five minutes or less. That's just the way our sin is, the way our flesh is. You cannot be sinless. You cannot be good enough. You cannot be righteous in your own eyes, in your own standard. You cannot maintain righteousness of your own. The righteousness of Christ is imputed upon you because you have no righteousness. Get that given to ourselves the way our flesh is, 
Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Who? Sinners. Well, I'm not a sinner. <laughs> you just sinned. So, that according to ourselves, given to ourselves, there's no fear of God, no understanding of God, and a complete given over to sin. The law of God helps us to see our state, to see our state, the state that we're in, of, of a complete depravity of sin. And this is why the righteousness of Christ was given to us by grace, because there's nothing you could possibly do to earn it. Now that is for the unsaved. But for the saved, still we sin. Still we fall apart. Now, Romans 7 was written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul talks about how he struggled with concupiscence and how he struggled with sin. And he couldn't do the things that he wanted to do. And he, knew, and he says that in my flesh doth no good thing. Romans chapter 7, verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. The law of God versus the law of sin. What's the law of sin? What sin demands. What sin loves, what sin hates. How sin opposes the things of God. As the law of God opposes sin, the law of sin opposes God. And we see this opposition in ourselves. Even as Christians. As Christians, there's desires to, to lie, steal, cheat, and get angry, get drunk, go do whatever you want. The flesh hates praying, hates reading the Bible. The flesh wants to be apathetic against the things of God. The flesh doesn't want to go to church, doesn't want to pray. The flesh opposes the things of God. My flesh serves the law of sin. But the mind and the spirit, we serve the law of God. That we know it's wrong, and we do it anyways. The law of God helps us to resist that, to identify it, to see it more clearly, more under, uh, that there's more understanding. That yes, we're under grace. Yes, we follow grace. Yes, we're held by grace. Yes, we're in the liberty of Christ. But to walk closer to Christ, to walk with Christ, we need to fight ourselves. We need to fight sin, to resist the devil that he may flee, to resist the flesh, to crucify the flesh with the affections and lust thereof. Do you hate lying? Do you hate lying? Do you hate theft? Why, why do you avoid it? Right there, you're following the dictates of the commandments of Christ because you love him, not because you have to. We do these things, we follow the law of God, not because we have to. There is no have to. There's no have to. It's a want to. I want to because I love him. Have to dictates then consequences if you don't, like the works-based salvation. It says, well, if you don't follow the law, you're not saved or you lose your salvation. But your salvation is hinged and dependent upon your maintenance of law. No, that, that's a have to. Want to. Because I want to serve the Lord, because I love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I want to follow him because I love him. 
The fear of God comes by understanding the word of God. As we see in verse 18, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Now, what about us? What about the saved? Is there a fear of God? How does, where does the fear of God come from? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To be wise, not in our own eyes, as scripture says, to be wise, not in our own eyes, to be, but to be wise in the word of God, to be wise according to scripture, to wise, wisdom according to God's purpose, God's righteousness. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, wisdom of the word of God. So to love the Lord, so the fear of the Lord is holy, reverential worship and respect. Holy, reverential worship and respect. This is the fear of the Lord. And when you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you respect his word, his ways, his law, what he says. That when God says such a such a thing is wrong, you say, yes, Lord. That's following the law of God, following the commandments of Christ because you love him. When, when you're following G, keep your eyes on Jesus. And Jesus says, don't step there. Yes, Lord. Don't touch that. Yes, Lord. Follow me. Yes, Lord. Following the Lord Jesus Christ is following his word. It is written. It is written. So many people say, well, we don't need to just love, the, love Jesus and just be Christ-like and that's all that matters. Okay. Okay, but define for me what is Christ likeness. If you don't think we have to follow the law, define for me what is Christ likeness without using the law of God. Define for me what is Christ likeness. You see? You see, the, the problem that many people have is they also don't understand the law of God in context to scripture that the entirety of the scriptures the whole bible is the law of god from genesis to revelation everything everything verse 19 for we know that what things soever the law saith it saith to them who are uh, who are under the law that every mouth must be, must be stopped and all the world may become guilty before god Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Again, we see, by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. What does that say? The righteousness of God was manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, Jesus Christ. He came and what did he do? He fulfilled the law and the prophets. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law and the prophets. He fulfilled all, all that is expected, all that needs to be done. We're, that there is nothing left needed. For salvation from the condemnation of sin. Now as we saw. We're not a Jew by one outwardly. But inwardly that is of spirit. What does that mean? Follower of the commandments of God. Follower of the commandments of God. That we follow him of the inward. Not the outward. Of the inward. Not the outward. It's of spirit. It's of faith. It's of faith. We are justified by faith. By the belief of Jesus Christ. 
And we see by verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have. Myself, you, everyone. All are guilty of sin. But we are saved. That the law revealed to us and we saw it. We acknowledged it. We understood it. And we believed. And now the law is an assist. The law is an assist, not a condemnation. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins by the riches of his grace. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation atonement through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. So, we follow the commandments, we follow the law of God, we follow the word of God, not because doing so will atone and will forgive and will justify us, because no, no man is justified by the law. We follow the law and the commandments because we want to, because we love him. But our sins are forgiven, we are justified by the faith. So you see, right here it is saying, if you're following along, the law doesn't save, and following law doesn't justify. Now, the law is not... I'll be careful here. I want to say, the law, in looking at the law, the law doesn't save. The law is not salvationary, in sense that following, keeping, maintaining, heeding doesn't save you. There's only one thing that does save you, and that is salvation is by, and that is by Jesus Christ. The law is all about sin and revealing sin. The law reveals sin. That's all it does. The law reveals sin. That's all it does. That's all it's for. So then anything that is applicable in sense of salvation is of the faith of Jesus Christ. The cross, the, the death, the blood. Now, the law demands that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The law demands death and blood. Jesus Christ provided that. He atoned that. He fulfilled that. So we see in verse 25, whom God hath set forth, Jesus Christ, to be a propitiation atonement through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness, not our own, because the law does not bring righteousness. The law is a curse. The law is damnation. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance, the patience of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Look at that. Verse 26, right there. Right there. Verse 26. Justification. Justification of the believer is Jesus Christ, not the law. You can't say, well, I'm a Christian because look what I do. Right here. That which justifies you is Jesus Christ. The faith of Jesus Christ. Now, because you're justified by Christ, because you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you want to follow him. Forsake all, follow me. Die to self. Love Christ. Love the brethren. Edify the saints. Call the lost to Christ. Why are you doing that? Because you love him. And what's that? The law of God. What shall we do that might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Verse 27. 
Where is boasting then? Where is boasting then? You see so many people, I follow the Ten Commandments, I follow the law, I do all the works, look what I've done, look what I've done. Many in that day would cry, Lord, Lord, look what we did, look what we did, look what we did. Where is boasting then? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that no man should boast. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. There is no boasting. You can't say, oh, I keep the law, because you can't keep the law. No one can keep the law. Every time you look at the law, you see you're guilty of the law. But when we look at the law, we see Jesus. Because he fulfilled it. He took our place. We are freed from the condemnation and the curse of the law. Therefore, because the righteousness of Christ is imputed upon us, the law comes to us as an assist and not a damnation. Where is boasting then? We boast in nothing but Jesus Christ. We boast in nothing but Jesus Christ. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay. But by the law of faith. The third. We see the law of God. We see the law of God. And as we saw, saw as well as scripture talks about, we see the law of sin. And now look what it says here. Verse 27, the law of faith. The law of faith. So which law do you follow? Because the law laws of God, as we, we were talking about, is for that which is directly to sin and the condemnation of sin. Do you follow, follow that which is the law of sin or do you follow the law of faith? Follow the law of faith. So the laws of God are for sin. For the revealing of sin, the understanding of sin. Then there's the law of sin, which is the damnation of the law, of the unsaved. They are under the law of sin. And then we see, as our flesh is not saved, our flesh is condemned to die. It's appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Our flesh is corrupted by sin. I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So the flesh is under the law of sin. So we see the law of God, understanding what is righteousness, what is unrighteousness. Then we see the law of sin. Now we see something else. They'll call the law of faith. We are under the law. Absolutely we are under the law. The law of faith. We are under the law of faith. Look at that right there, verse 27. We are under the law of faith. Verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. A, Christ, a Christian here may, may strive and fight and maintain the best they can. They, 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 they fight and resist sin at every turn. They go to church, they read the Bible, they do all the stuff, they do everything. And they really serve the Lord hard and powerful and faithfully in all things. And then there's a saint over here that struggles, that falls, uh, that, that, uh, that has a lot of addictions and problems and issues and whatever. They are just as justified before God and Jesus Christ as this other is. That a man is justified by the faith of Jesus Christ, not the deeds of the law. Not the following or main maintenance of law. It's not a have to, it's a want to. But even if a Christian is struggling, a Christian has has sins and the sins in their lives and they're, they're not walking as they should be, 
they are still born again saved just as much as as the other we are under the law of faith that the that the law of faith demands and, and and puts down just as powerfully and as strong as the law of god of the law against sin it that brings down the condemnation the wrath of god and there is no escape of that except through salvation jesus christ that the law of faith is just as brought down as the, by the hammer of God as absolute. The law of faith is absolute. That faith, faith of Jesus Christ is absolute and there is no escape. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And we see Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Titus 3, 5, Galatians 2, 16, examples of this. And as we talked about before, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Verse 29, is he, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith and remember we talked about this this is kind of just another title code word for jews and gentiles that the jews are justified by faith and the gentiles are justified through faith it's the same lord same god same way same truth same life verse 31 do we then make void the law through faith now, because we are under the law of faith, does the law of God in regarding the law of sin, is that no longer applicable to us? Now, we talked about that. But he says, God forbid. Rather, rather, yea, we establish the law. We establish the law. We prove the things of God. We prove the law of God. We prove the commandments of Christ. We hold to the truths of God. We proclaim the word of God. We are proclaimers of the word, of the gospel, of the faith, of the cross, of the blood. We proclaim these things. We prove what God says. That when you come to Christ, you'll be saved. The law of God states this. God's law states that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved from your sins. You'll be saved, freed you'll be you'll be redeemed from the condemnation of your sin we establish the law romans 7 7 to 8 what shall we say then is the is the law sin god forbid nay i had not known sin but by the law for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. The law reveals sin and helps you to understand how you need a savior. The law helps you to see you need that lamb sacrifice atonement. You need that death and shedding of blood for your sin. The law helps you to see how you've separated yourself from God of your own will. And how you need to be saved. The law is established by the saints, not in a sense of law keeping, 
like Jews, like the like of the Jews of the Judaizers of the Pharisees, but rather an establishing of the righteousness of God, which is law. That there must be the righteousness of God, and that the righteousness of God cannot behold sin. So therefore, your sins must be dealt with. And how do we deal with sin? What does the law say? There must be a sacrifice. So you see, there's a right, proper application of law. And which law? We see the cultural laws. We see the, the law of sin. We see the law of faith. Now, how does it apply to us? How do we understand this? What, what is the, the proper way to view the law of God? Again, like I said, do a study of Galatians. Read through the book of Galatians. We see faith. We see in Hebrews 11, how all of the patriarchs were justified by faith. It's all about faith. So where does law come in? You can't keep the law. No one can keep the law. All are guilty of the law. And when you look at the law, you see your sin. But rather we establish it because what does the law demand? What does the law demand? What did Jesus do? He fulfilled it. So when people ask, well, are we under the law? Which law? If you're not saved, you're under the law of sin. And the law condemns you. But if you're under Jesus Christ, you're under the law of faith. And you're justified by faith, by grace, by belief alone in Jesus Christ. And the law is an assist, not a condemnation. This is what Paul's trying to help the, the, the church in Rome here to understand. As you see that, yes, there's, there's sin abounds and that horrible, horrible, wretched sin is going on in Rome and how horrible it is. But where sin abounds, grace did much more abound because the law of God demands that. The law of God proves it, shows it. Grace. And we establish that this law by proving it, by, for example, we look at Saul of Tarsus becoming the Apostle Paul. This justified and proved what God said. And this was established in Paul, the grace of God. Look what he did. He, he blasphemed Christ and tortured saints and destroyed churches. And he became the Apostle Paul. The law of righteousness demanded before his unrighteousness death and condemned him. And he was condemned in his sins because of this. But the law of faith also, also establishes grace. And we see the grace of God presented to him on Damascus Road and forgave him and he got saved. You see, you see how the law is used. How the law works. We're not under the condemnation of the law as Romans 6.14. We're under grace. So we ask ourselves, why would you not want to hold yourself to the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Holding yourself to his commandments, holding yourself to his word. It's not because I have to, it's I want to. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to resist sin? Now, in looking at Jesus Christ, we see who he is. We see what he's done for us. We see what he went through for us. And we see how he sits with sinners. 
he ha he eats and drinks with sinners to be able to have have a chance and opportunity to witness to them the grace of god but here's the the wrath of the law of god sitting with sinners presenting the law of faith wrap your mind around that one the wrath of the law of god sits with sinners and presents the law of faith for sin abounds grace did much more abound that's the law we follow. The law we follow. That which is established by faith. Established by grace. Presented by Jesus Christ. We look at Jesus Christ. We see how he did it. That's what we do. That's what I want to present. There's much in the word of God. That can be difficult for some individuals. And they come from certain backgrounds or they've had already some certain preconceptions but what does the bible say yes we're on we're under grace we're not un, under the law we're under grace so people take that and they run with that thinking that therefore that that the law is not apl applicable to them in any way in forms of condemnation correct but there are multiple applications of the law for the saved absolutely not salvationarily, if that's a word. Not in sense of salvation, as following or not following does not affect your salvation. But rather, it's in context of love, of faith. Yes, I follow the law of God. Yes, absolutely, I use the law. Yes, absolutely, the law is applicable. In what context? To lead people to Christ. To help people to see Christ clearly. Because until you see your sin, you're not going to be able to see Christ. Romans chapter 3. So there you go. Any uh, comments, questions, issues, insights, anything else at all? Please go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. All right. Uh, Space says, conviction from the Holy Ghost when we sin is not a good feeling. Better to abstain from sin than to do it willingly, thinking it's all okay. Correct. Absolutely. And Wyatt says, a lot of people need to read this passage because ignorance of 328 is the basis for various false beliefs and false teachings. Okay, let's take a look. 328, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Correct. So if you're into underlining, highlighting, or marking your Bible, you can put a, a cross-reference there, uh, Romans 3.28, put in Galatians 2.16. Galatians 2.16. And that, and that Galatians 2.16, is this one. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. So you want to cross-reference those two. All right, so I hope that this study has made sense. I hope that... Uh, uh, it's clear to you, clear as mud. <laughs> Let me know if you have any uh, comments, questions, issues, insights. Um, as again, in this study, we we're talking about law. What is the law of God? How does it con uh, convert the soul? What is it for? What is it used for? How does it? How is it applied? Now, how is it applied to the to the unsaved? How does it apply to the saved? How does it work? What law are we under? We're under the law of faith. So we got to understand the specifics of the Word of God. You say, we're not under the law. 
okay, what do you mean? You want to clarify that. So we want to understand the specifics of the Word of God and, and how it's used properly. So there you go. Proper cross-referencing, using the Bible properly. So there you go. All right, so that's Romans chapter 3. I hope this has been a help and a blessing and a comfort to you. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. Hit notification bell icon so you know we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other uh, playlists and vids and discussions and studies, all kinds of goodies over there. And please make sure you check that out as well as check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca as we got links to all our other platforms and other goodies and we got free downloadable uh pdfs of gospel tracks you can print them off yourself for free and hand, hand them around so tons of goodies over there all right so with that if there is nothing else if there's nothing left um i guess we'll wrap that up so there you go folks god bless you thank you so much for joining in i hope this has been a help God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.